0: Hello and welcome to Sunday's at Coastal. Pastor Andy returns and we continue our sermon series in the book of Acts. Today our sermon is out of Acts chapter 16, titled The Road Less Traveled. Your journey of salvation and healing, your journey of growth and purpose, it takes time. Bit by bit, step by step, you're going to make a lot of mistakes. You're going to head down paths that Jesus will warn you against. You're going to push and Jesus will put his hand on your forehead. You're going to hurt others. The road less traveled isn't the road where you don't make mistakes. The road less traveled, or as Jesus puts it, the narrow way, the kingdom of God way, is the road of repentance. Place your faith in Jesus and take your next step. Oh, welcome
1: y'all, so glad that you're here. Uh, My name's Andy, I'm the pastor allegedly uh, of this church along with Paul. Paul and I are just so grateful to serve you guys. Uh, and we're just, we love you guys. And so uh, if you are new or visiting with us this morning, let me introduce you to who we are. And this is what we believe we do this every week. And this is an opportunity where we confess and declare and encourage each other with the truth. And so there's these three truths that we see all throughout Scripture. We see them specifically in Isaiah 61, which is the scroll that Jesus reads when he gets up, gets up and says that the Spirit of the Lord is upon me to preach good news to the poor, to bind up the brokenhearted, to set the captive to set the captives free. So there's these three truths that we see over and over again in the Scripture—it's what uh, Jesus' church, His body, is based on—and it goes like this: There's always. Read it with me. There is always hope beyond our brokenness. Always, no matter where you've come from, no matter what's happened to you, no matter what happened last night, you are welcome here. You are welcome here, and this church is for you. And we are, we love uh, you exactly the way that you are. You don't have to perform in order to be here. Um, the the moment that you walked through the door, uh, you wrecked that perfect church. Uh, and because there's no perfect people allowed here, does that make sense? Yes. Amen? Yes. Second, we're called to trust yes. in our risen yes. Savior. And Jesus is alive. Wasn't he there in worship this morning? Woo. Yes. Woo! Oh, my gosh, That was awesome. He is alive. He's here. And we're not called to perform for him. We're not called to pretend for him. We're not called to fix our lives and get it all together. And then we can do something for Jesus. We're called to trust him right now. Does that make sense? Yes. So that means we listen. That means that we obey. Um, that means that we follow directions. That means that we put the weight of our lives and our family and our soul in His capable hands. And uh, you will hear from the pulpit, from Paul and I, over and over and over and over and over again what it looks like to trust Jesus in the moment. Because that's it, that's our faith. And third, you and I are called to bring restoration to this community, and, and we don't have to be perfect in order to do that. God uses us right where we are. We have a purpose in our lives. We are designed to make a difference, to, to as Jesus says, to, to make all things right, right? Uh, as it, Paul says in Ephesians, that we are designed for good works, meaning that we are designed to put the world and our families back together again right now. Does that make sense? So in the middle of our brokenness, we trust Jesus. And Jesus then uses us in the middle of our vulnerability and our brokenness to be a difference maker right where we are. This is the church. And it's what we believe. Amen? So I have a request for you. Can I speak to your heart of hearts? Today we're going to read in in Acts uh, about how Paul... Uh, not not Pastor Paul, but the Apostle Paul, how uh, Paul makes a whole lot of mistakes. And, and well, we all, a, a, right? Amen. Yeah. And, uh, and, and me three. Uh, so Paul's going to make a whole lot of mistakes that he doesn't necessarily know about, but that we'll learn from his, his letters to the church that he actually learns from. And so t- today's an opportunity for you and I to hear the good news of the gospel, that In the middle of our brokenness, in the middle of our foolishness, God will still use us for good. But I have to speak to that part of your heart that doesn't quite believe that. So can I speak to that part of your heart? Yes? Yes? Yes. That be okay? So I'm going to give us a little bit of history, and then I'm going to pray. Is that okay? So bear with me for four minutes. Yes? In doing research in the book of Acts, one of the things that I realized was that... um, uh, You know, Luke will set the book of Acts within its historical context from its beginning, but then all throughout the book of Acts, he's not saying, and 18 years after the resurrection or in A.D. 48, so he's not saying those things, but historians and theologians have done an amazing amount of work um, to understand both Roman writers and Greek writers and Jewish writers and Christian writers and how the timeline all works together. So can I give you that real quick? Would that be okay? So in in 30 A.D., Jesus dies and is resurrected at the age of 33 years old. He's born um, 4 B.C., okay? Uh, We'll talk about that here in a couple weeks for Christmas. Um, uh, But he's crucified and resurrected. That's 30 A.D. 31 A.D., you remember this, uh, 14, 18 weeks ago, 26 (laughs) weeks ago? Do you remember that? When Peter heals the crippled man. And then Ananias and Sapphira, do you remember those guys? Right, They tried to pass themselves off as being so great, and then they died. Um, so that's 31 AD. Uh, by, so it only took two years for the church to elect deacons and elders. So I feel like we're doing a pretty good job <laughs> if we do that every year, right? Took them two. Okay? The church grows. That's Acts 6. 34, 36 AD, Saul is actively persecuting the church. Then he's knocked off his high horse. Does that make sense? In Galatians 1, we read that after he's knocked off his high horse, he goes to Arabia. He stutters under a, a Jewish, an amazing Jewish theologian named Gamaliel, and there he gets his head sorted out, okay? That takes three years. So by the way, if you've been knocked off your high horse, it might take you three years to sort it out. <laughs> three, four more. One more. Or, or more. Or more. Depends on if you have a Gamaliel in your life, right? Okay. Then in 39, uh, Saul in Hebrew, the word Saul means big. The word Paul in Greek means little. So big Saul becomes little Paul. Why? Because big Saul says there's somebody bigger than me and his name is Jesus. So he renames himself. Um, And wait, go back one. So they go to Jerusalem... Um, Peter is raising people from the dead in Joppa. Next slide. Uh, So 10 years after the resurrection of Jesus, the church in Antioch flourishes because the the authorities in Israel had pushed out um, this radical Jewish movement claiming that the rabbi Jesus was the Messiah. Does that make sense? And so in Antioch, which is in modern day, uh, I think it's Lebanon, uh, it, it is flourishes there and they send out paul and barnabas Uh, that's from 40 to 44 by 45 ad remember john mark the intern right he goes on the journey with paul and barnabas that doesn't work out well We'll read about that today Uh, by 48 ad there's massive conflict about in jerusalem this is 18 years after the resurrection wait a minute are we jewish can we eat bacon wrapped shrimp what do we do with the (laughs) law how does this all work Right? And so 18 years later, they're discussing, they're figuring it out, right? Um, Paul and Silas head out. There's a major conflict with Paul and John Mark in 48 AD. We'll read about that today. 49 AD, Paul writes to the Galatians. That's a region of, moder- of Turkey after he and Barnabas separate. So he and Barnabas have an issue. Um, and then 50, so this is 30 or 20 years after the resurrection, Paul goes to Macedonia with Silas, and Matthew writes his gospel. Does that make sense? Does that give you a good idea of a, of a timeline a little bit? It just, takes, just notice something. Number one, it takes 10 years for the church to grow, become settled, and then send people out on mission. It takes 10 years. Wow. 10 years to do that, okay? Uh, Big Saul takes three years to get his head set straight. The the disagreement that we're going to read about today and the road less traveled by our early church leaders uh, happens 20 years after the resurrection. Christians have been fighting since the very beginning. Uh, What's the point? Here's the first point this morning. Amazing, radical, life-transforming change, it doesn't happen overnight. God changes you bit by bit, wound by wound, thought by thought, one belief at a time, So that you can love the next person and meet their next need. Does that make sense? So Jesus changes you bit by bit so then you can love the bits in the person in front of you. Does that make sense? Jesus changes you thought by thought so that you can listen thought by thought in love to the person in front of you. Picking up what I'm putting down? Now, looking back, I can say over the course of my life, I have changed radically. 20 years ago, I was not the same person. 15 years ago when I became your pastor, oh my gosh, I was not the same person as I am now, right? I've changed for the better. God, I could say confidently, Jesus has completely changed me, okay? That's looking back on my life. Subjectively, present tense, I can say, I'm working on the next thing. Does that make sense? Here's why this is so important. Be hopeful. Be hopeful and patient with how God is changing you and the people in your life. Yes? We're, we're entering into the holiday season. And you're praying to God that whoever shows up at your house (laughs) will be better and different than they were last year (laughs) because last year was rough, remember, (laughs) right? Be hopeful, be patient. Change is slow. It's dramatic. It's with Jesus. It is transformative. The old adage, people don't change, is alive from the pit of hell with Jesus. He resurrects us from the inside out, placing God's spirit in us. We are radically changed in Christ. We are a brand new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. Somebody say amen. Okay? Amen. So I'm gonna, we're going to talk today about how here Paul has changed radically, and he's still got change to do, but that doesn't mean... That he's gonna beat himself up or wreck himself because he still has change in his life to do. Right. Yes. So I gotta speak to that part of your heart of hearts today and to the part of your heart of hearts that has expectations about other people and about how they should be different than they are. (laughs) So can I speak to that part of your heart? Oh, are you sure? (laughs) You sure? Okay, let's pray. Jesus, you give us the keys of the kingdom to bind and loose, and so we bind and mute the enemy now in the name of Jesus that would be seeking to distract or bother us during this time. Everybody say amen loudly if you agree. And we loose your spirit upon this place. We loose the power of the gospel on this place. It's your time, Jesus. In Christ's name we pray, and all God's people say it. Amen. Acts 15. Verse 36. This is where we left off from last week. Paul, thank you for preaching last week. Paul gave me a wonderful break. I was able to be with friends, uh, and I helped Ren- Zed's mom and dad. Uh, we, t- I, we went to Disneyland, and outside of the Tiki Room, we got to renew their 30th uh, anniversary vows. Uh, so I've never been invited to Disneyland to renew vows before, but if you would like to do that, I'm available. Um, <laughs> So, and then, right? And specifically, if it's on the Matterhorn, that's fine as well. <laughs> Space Mountain's harder because it's in the dark. Uh, so, so, verse 36, ready? Some time later, Paul said to Barnabas. Okay, so this is around 48 AD, okay? So a couple of years have passed since the, dis- uh, dis- or almost a year and a half has-, has passed since the discussion in Jerusalem, which Paul talked about last week. Okay, right. so sometime later in, in, uh, in Luke's writing is a year and a half or two, mm-hmm. right? It was blaster day, <laughs> right? A couple of <miles> ago. Does <laughs> that make sense? Okay, sometime later, Paul said to Barnabas, let's go back and visit the believers in all the towns that we preached the word of the Lord and see how they're doing. Now, remember that according to our timeline, um, and 45 AD, so this is three years before, Paul and Barnabas, they go and they hang out. Do you remember that a couple weeks ago? How they hang out in Paso? And then th- that's Lystra and Derby. And then they go to San Luis. And then Paul literally gets stoned to death. And then he gets dragged out on a horse out to the city dump. And all the believers like are there, rallied around him and they're praying for him. And the dude gets back up. Remember that a couple weeks ago, right? And then they walk to Santa Maria afterwards, right? Like, that's nuts, okay? So Paul says, let's go back, right? <laughs> Paul says, let's go back. And Barnes was like, mm, okay. Um, now, what's gonna happen next, and, uh, and, and not all theologians agree about this. I have an opinion here. This is my opinion. What's gonna happen next is we're gonna see Paul's his his humanity, his brokenness, on display, and the adjustments that Jesus is going to make to continue His faithful love to Paul. Here we go. Verse thirty-seven. Bar- read with me. Barnabas wanted to take John, also called Mark, with him, the intern. <coughs> now, three years ago, John Mark was just a teenager, right? Young man. He's been away to college. He's changed. <laughs> make sense? I don't know if you know this, but when kids are like 19 and 20, and then when they're 23 and 24, they're different species, especially for men, right? That's when we get a prefrontal cortex, (laughs) which women have had since they've been 13, right? And they can like have emotions and stuff. And like, you know, for guys, it's like, oh, you hit me right in the feel, you know, because we get one until we're about 24 if you're lucky. Most guys don't figure that out until they're about 64, but, um, <laughs> but there it is, okay? So Barnabas says, let's take John Mark and verse 38, read with me. Ready? Here we go. But Paul did not think it's wise to take him. Pamphylia and not continue with them in the work. They had such a sharp disagreement that they parted carpeting. Dang it. Right from the beginning of the church, we got division. This is not good. Barnabas says, let's take John Mark the intern, right? The guy who's currently writing the Gospel of Mark with Peter. He's writing scripture. He's hanging out with Peter. What happened with you and Jesus? Let me write this down. I'm going to write it to Romans in one of the most incredible pieces of literature in human history Mark the very end of the book of Mark the crucifixion mimics exactly the coronation of Caesar that the coronation of Arkin is with crown of thorns rather than a crown of gold laurel leaves it is a spectacular piece of literature and Paul says nah yes. Remember that one thing he did 3 years ago I don't care if he's your best friend, Barnabas. You were my best friend. I don't want you to be your best friend. (laughs) What is this? Paul won't forgive? He still's got bitterness? Yeah, but what about Pamphylia? Remember that three years ago? I do. He left us. He won't trust. He's totally caught up in, like, a mentality that us Christians have perfected, right? Well, I went to this one church. He wouldn't believe what happened to me there. It's just like, I came up to them. I'm like, hi. And they're like, hi, how are you? And I'm like, don't ask me how I'm doing. I'm out. <laughs> Can you believe they played that one song twice? <laughs> oh, I'm gone. That's it. They didn't have cream cheese for the bagels. (laughs) I am so done. Oh, man, I prayed that morning, Jesus, please reveal yourself to me. And then I got confronted, and now I won't go back. Ever. We're perfect at this as Christians. Man, we don't like what someone did. Fine, what they did was wrong. Years ago. And then we just leave, or even worse, we drive them away. In every other religion, especially every other cult, membership is taken quite seriously. They don't let you go. They track you down. Christians, we don't do that. Like you know, Paul and I don't like spend our weekends like who's left the church? Who you got this weekend? Are you ready? We teepee their house at 3 a.m., spray paint their door. Come back to church. It's not how it works, right? In every other cult, every other religion, leaving that cult, leaving that religion has catastrophic consequences for you. You lose your family, you lose your business, you lose your life sometimes, you lose your well-being, you lose your sense of security, you lose your sense of safety. Does that make sense? Churches don't do that to people who leave. And what Christians don't understand is that there are catastrophic consequences for division within the church. Let me put it this way. God has specific plans for this church. He always has. He always will. He has specific plans for every church. It's His body. Does that make sense? In the moment that we remove ourselves from that body, whether we're being foolish or, or not, that's the moment that we remove ourselves from what God has planned. Does that make sense? I'm not saying that you can never leave a church if that church is just like in a steep nose dive or the leadership is awful. Not saying that. I'm saying that in petty arguments among Christians, we will leave. And what we do when we do that is that the people that we were supposed to bless, now that's not happening. The gifts that we were supposed to give of our time, and our talent, of our money, now the church doesn't have those. The people that... We were going to have conversations with in small groups, and then what they were going to say at just that moment that was going to heal that wound in our heart, that is delayed until we go to another church and get invested and try again to get connected and to serve and to be willing to let people speak into our lives. Does that make sense? But what ends up happening every time that we leave is that we go to another church and then we dip our toe in the water and we go... I don't know. And then we're not interested in people blessing us. We're speaking into our lives, and we're not going to do the same for other people. It takes a long time for that to happen. And so God's specific plans, they're not ended. They're just delayed. You picking up what I'm putting down? Here's what's amazing about our Jesus. Jesus does not give up on you. Amen. There's a movie out in 2011 called The Adjustment Bureau. Emily Blunt and Matt Damon. You know who Matt Damon is? Yes. Right? Yeah. He always has a movie where he has to rescue a planet or the timeline by his own sheer efforts, yes. right? Uh, and and Matt Damon, literally, the Adjustment Bureau is in charge of the timeline or in charge of predestination. And so Emily Blunt and Matt uh, Damon, they, they keep on... Changing how the future is going to happen and these timeline agents have to come in and adjust the timeline so that it all works out, right? It's an interesting movie. Here's the point. Jesus is the Adjustment Bureau. God's will, his capital W will, is his grand plan to save you and bless you and restore you and then use you For his kingdom. Picking up what I'm putting down? God's grand will accounts for the changes in everyday plans. Does that make sense? So when you make a foolish decision, like Paul makes a foolish decision, Jesus' will to bless you and to use you and to save you still will happen. It's just gonna go through a different route. Picking up what I'm putting down? The healing is still there for you because His will will be accomplished in your life. Your purpose is still here for you because His will will be accomplished in your life. Do you understand what I'm saying? There's no point in your life where you've derailed your life from the plans and purpose God has for you. Somebody say, amen, I'm preaching now. (laughs) There is not a point in your life where other people's decisions will derail God's plans to bless, help, restore, use you For His kingdom. It's just going to look a little different. Amen? Amen? Amen. Next slide. God's mercies for you are new every morning. And Jesus... Read this with me. And Jesus will never, ever give up on you, ever. God's will for you is good, perfect, and pleasing, and His will shall be done in your life. Oh, this is good this morning, So let's see how Jesus works to make his will be done, even though Paul makes a foolish choice. Verse 39, Barnabas took Mark and sailed for Cyprus, but Paul chose Silas and left, commended by the believers to the grace of the Lord. He went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. Barnabas takes the intern, John Mark, now grown up, to the island of Cyprus. They were there before. There's... a Politician there, the governor of Idaho. <laughs> you know who that is? Nobody does. <laughs> right? Sergius Paulus. He gave his life to Jesus. They go back to him, right? Paul and Silas head north to Syria and then to a large re- region called Cilicia. Next slide. Here's the region of Cilicia. This is you see the north. E- this is the white is the north. East region of the Mediterranean, the Cilicia is the it's the ancient Hung or the ancient, the ancient Turkish uh, Empire. Okay, so that's Cilicia. That's that's where Paul and Silas are going to go. So how does the church respond? Next slide, right? Paul chose Silas and left, commended by the believers to grace. the church has grace. They give grace is getting what you don't deserve. They have grace for Paul. Paul gets what he doesn't deserve. Love, support, prayers, financial blessings. Jesus gives you grace in the middle of your foolishness. Paul eventually, when he um, wakes up, when he lifts his head up, when he stops navel-gazing, when he pulls his head out of the ground. I know what you were thinking, sinners. Paul will eventually have the words to describe God's grace. He, he writes it to the church in Ephesus. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even When we were dead in transgressions, it's by grace you've been saved. And just in case this isn't clear to you, let me reinforce the point Luke is making in this passage. Jesus is not a fan of division. And Jesus will bless you and give you the grace you don't deserve even after your mistakes. So what happens next? Paul goes back to the place where he got stoned and then got back up. Like five years prior, sixteen, chapter sixteen, verse one. Read this with me. Here we go. Paul came to Derby. Just imagine. (laughs) He's still missing teeth. His nose is still all jacked up from that day. Okay, but he walks into the place where he got killed. Keep read with me. Start from the beginning. Paul came to Derby and then to Lystra. Lived whose mother was Jewish and a believer, but whose father was a Greek. The believers at Lystra and Iconium spoke well of him. It's great. Paul and Silas meet Timothy, young guy, early 20s. Timothy and and another young guy who's also in his early 20s, because it's, I guess he'd be in his mid-30s by then. A guy named John. He was the disciple whom Jesus loved. He was the youth group back in the day. There was one. Jesus had a youth group of one. <laughs> that was how successful his youth ministry was. Did pretty well. Uh, and Timothy and John, and then Jesus' mother, Mary, will go to Ephesus to start the church there. John and Timothy are, and, and Mary will lead the church in Ephesus. okay? So this is when Paul and Silas meet Timothy for the very first time. There's two letters that Paul writes to Timothy, first and second Timothy in the New Testament, okay? Now, I'm gonna say something that not all theologians agree on. I could be wrong, but here's what happens next. Verse three, ready? Paul wanted to take him along the journey. Hey, Tim, do you wanna come on this journey with me? Tim says, okay. Paul says, just one little thing we gotta do first. (laughs) So he circumcised him because of the Jews who lived in that area, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. Here's my thoughts. I could be wrong, but I think Paul makes a terrible mistake. Timothy might agree. Uh, In fact, I think Paul's about to make a bunch of him. Here's why. Paul is demanding that Timothy grow through hell for what? For what? Because of the Jews who lived in that area, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. Why? What, What is that? I think it's fear. I think Paul's afraid that he can't do ministry if Timothy doesn't look the Jewish part altogether. Okay? A little over a year later, this is 48 AD, 49 AD, Paul is going to write a letter to the exact same region. Cilicia has also a synonym to it. It's the region called Galatia. That's the book of Galatians. It's to all those series of churches. Lystra, Derby, Iconium, all those places, Paul's going to write to them, and this is what he's going to say. Does the God who lavishly provides you with his own presence, his Holy Spirit, working things in your lives you could never do for yourselves, does he do these things because of your strenuous moral striving or because you trust him to do them in you? Paul's saying, what makes you better? What changes you? Is, it, is, is the good things in your life the fruit of your effort, or is it the fruit of the Holy Spirit? Paul, in Galatians, will then say, listen, that all the love and the joy and the peace and the patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and faithfulness, self-control, it's not the fruit of you going, ah! I've got to be better! It's the fruit of, the Spirit. Spirit, So then he'll write in chapter 5, read this with me loudly, the moment or any any other rule keeping system, at the same moment, Christ's hard won gift of freedom
0: is
1: squandered. Timothy was like, what? But I did you, come on, Paul. <laughs> Bro, I was, I can't, really? Mm, mm, mm. What's happening with Paul? It's the same thing that happens to all of us. We think we're heading in the right direction, and then we run into the brick wall of reality. We make mistakes, we hurt others. Timothy was certainly hurt. Uh, <laughs> then what has happened? happened? Maybe a month later, maybe a year later, we wake up and we realize, maybe 20 years later, we go, oh no. Oh, what have I done? And we got choices at that moment, right? We got choices. I was I was driving, I was driving with a friend yesterday, and I, I, I was gonna turn into the lane, and then I didn't, and my friend's like, what, you know, they're freaking out. They're like, hey, and I'm like, oh no, it was the car, and they're like, why are you blaming the other? There's no, just check your pride. It was you. Mm-hmm. It was. It was me. It was me. Right. In that moment, I doubled down. No, 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 it was their fault. No, it wasn't. It was my fault. Yeah, I w- You know how when you do this on the freeway? I, I, that was my fault. That was me yesterday. I apologize. That's pride. Uh, the other thing that we do that's pride as well is that we do something, we say something, we hurt somebody, and then they have an emotional response. And then what we do is we think, oh, they're being so emotional. As opposed to, mm, maybe I hurt them. Another response to this is that we can be entitled. We can think, you know what? Oh, I've been through so much. I work so hard. I'm owed this. And it doesn't matter how difficult it is for them. I'm owed this. That's not helpful. Paul's going to get a major dose of humble pie. He didn't even realize it yet, but check out what happens. Verse 4. As they traveled from town to town, they delivered the decisions reached by the apostles and elders in Jerusalem for the people to obey. And so the churches were strengthened in faith and grew daily in numbers. This is incredible. Even though Paul's making serious mistakes, Jesus is still using Paul and Silas and a hobbled Timothy to do his will. Listen, your sin and your foolishness don't disqualify you from being used by God. I know this. I, you know, I look at other pastors and I think, how in the heck are their churches so big? They're morons. <laughs> it's not, not very prideful of me at all, I know, but God will still use you, right? If God waited to use His people when they weren't sinning, there'd be nobody God could use. Right? Absolutely. Yes. yes? Yes. Okay, then. The mer- read this loudly. The mercy and grace of Jesus is the foundation of the gospel. The cornerstone of our faith isn't our faithfulness, it's Jesus' faithfulness to us. We're way more broken than we want to admit, and then God spares us from the eternal consequences. Of our brokenness with the mercy of Jesus, who dies as a substitute in our place. And at the same time, we are more loved than we could ever dare to hope, for this mercy is the grace of God, our Jesus, who loves us and adores us and uses us for good, even when we're up to no good. That's the hope of the gospel, that's the power of the gospel. Watch what happens next in verse 6. Paul and his companions traveled through the region of Phrygia, and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching to the word of the province of Asia. Here's a map to show you what's going on. So here they are in, uh, in Lystra and Iconium, right? That's, uh, you can see it, Derby, Lystra, and Iconium, right? That's Santa Maria, San Luis, Paso. That's... I'm not kidding. That's how far those places are from each other, just to orient you, okay? Then they're going to go up. They see they're passing through Galatia and on the <laughs> left, right? And then they're going to go up there. They're trying to get... They're not going to like Asia, like Cambodia or China, Asia, that, this place called Asia right there. Does that make sense? It's just a region in modern-day Turkey, okay? So they're going up, and they're trying to get to Asia, but they can't. The Holy Spirit kept them from preaching the word in the province of Asia. So what's Paul's response? Verse seven. Are you ready? When they came to the border of Mysia, go back to the map one more time. They came up to Mysia. Why are they going to Mysia? Because they're trying to get into Asia the other way. Go back to the verse again, verse seven. When they came to the border of Mysia, Mm. They tried to enter Bithynia, that's to the north, but the spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. So they passed by Mysia and went down to Troas. Back to the map again one more time. So they're literally trying to get to Asia from the west, from the south, it doesn't work. They go up around, it doesn't work. They try and go up to Bithynia and Pontius, it doesn't work. Finally, they're pushed to the seaport, Troas, because there's nowhere else to go. What in the world is going on? Here's my theological opinion. I could be wrong. Here's what I see. Paul's not listening to Jesus at all. Instead of praying, Paul's just going. And Jesus keeps on closing doors. I think he's missing Barnabas right about now. Barnabas was amazing at praying and listening to Jesus. Time after time, we see Jesus using Barnabas with Paul as Barnabas's companion. Barnabas was not Paul's companion. Paul was Barnabas' companion. Right? Remember when they showed up to like these different towns and like Barnabas must be Zeus, right? Barnabas is the old wise guy with abs, right? <laughs> Zeus, right? Big beard, yes, that's Barnabas. And Barnabas was really good at listening to Jesus. In fact, when Jesus said sell a field and give it, Barnabas did, right? That's why Barnabas was so incredible. And Paul has been with Barnabas and benefited from Barnabas listening to Jesus, and now Paul says to Barnabas, you're wrong, and goes out on himself, and now Paul's not listening to Jesus. Now Paul is just reverting right back to old habits of just plowing through obstacles. And he literally, Jesus is like, oh, you're not going to listen? Well, no, you can't go there. And no, you can't go there. And no, are you, are you ready to listen? No. Oh, you're not going to ask? Okay, no, you can't go here, Right? Such a roundabout way. Read with me. Verse 9. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man from Macedonia, <laughs> standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, well, what do you notice? Oh, it was the first time in the book of Acts, we. Luke has joined Paul at this point. We got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. I love what Luke says, concluding. Yeah, because they didn't ask. And so finally, Jesus is like, Paul, how am I gonna get through to you? Um, So he gives Paul a dream. He literally shows Paul, a man from Macedonia, begging God for help. The man's not praying to Paul. The man is praying to Jesus, and Jesus shows Paul that man in a dream. And, you know, I don't know, he's wearing like the Macedonian football jersey or whatever it is, but he's like, oh, that guy's speaking Macedonia. I don't know, right? But Paul says, oh, it's a guy from Macedonia. Listen. If you won't ask what Jesus to do, if you won't pick up on the clue that closed doors are actually an invitation to ask God which open door to walk through, if you're just so determined to prove your worth by making your own way, and, and Jesus keeps on, like, putting your, his hand on your forehead, and you're like, no, I want to go this way, and he's like, no, go this way, right? <laughs> if you're determined to live that way, sometimes God will even use dreams To get your attention. Friends, there is a better way to live. Listen to Jesus. Ask him every day, all day long, what to do. I mean, if you want to run into walls and then karoom off them and eventually you can get to where you're going, it's just painful. You could ask, and Jesus will tell you which way to go. Eight months ago, a commentator on the largest worldwide Muslim television network, Al Jazeera, complained bitterly that six million Muslims are converting to Christianity every year primarily because a man in white is coming to them in their dreams. And the man in white reveals himself as Jesus. Six million a year. It's illegal to convert to Christianity as a Muslim. It's punishable by by jail, even sometimes death. Like I said before, most religions don't let you leave. They're not okay with division. They'd rather kill you before you left. In the Middle East and Southeast Asia and Africa, Jesus is showing up in people's dreams. Muslims are accepting Christ. It's incredible what's happening. Jesus is even showing up in more amazing ways. I was watching a YouTube video about this Al Jazeera, and the, the guy, the commentator, and un, in the comments section, uh, a, a former Muslim wrote this, I'm from Africa and can confirm this. One man, is a Muslim man, went to lead early morning prayers at the mosque at our street. So this is a guy who would who would literally call out, he would stand on the minaret and sing the prayers every day in Islam, right? So he was... He was going to lead morning prayers at the mosque on our street only to be confronted by an authoritative yet loving voice to not go in. And when he refused and went in, as he opened his mouth to make the call for prayer over the loudspeaker, he lost control of his mouth and began to declare Jesus is Lord. (laughs) This man became a Christian and eventually is so badly persecuted by the, the, the... his own brothers and sisters in the mosque that he was forced to leave. Friends, listen to Jesus. Literally billions of people are crying out in anguish because they have zero hope in their lives. They want direction. They want love. They're desperate for mercy. They're desperate for their lives to mean something. They're searching for grace, they can't find it, and Jesus is showing up for them in their literal dreams so that they might know the love and, sa- uh, uh, and mercy of our Savior. Amen? Yeah. And what do we do, those of us who have Jesus? Oftentimes, we don't listen to him at all, which makes no sense, but we do it. We don't ask what's next, and then we get mad at the person who's also a Christian and be like, well, you're not my best friend, ah, and then we separate. What? That's what we do. We have so many friends who've left the church. Maybe that's even been part of your story. You've left the church. Can I just say, I'm so glad that you're here today. Don't leave. (laughs) Maybe you're listening or watching online right now, and you've left or you're considering leaving. You're still not sure. Stick around. Come back. Give the mercy that you're so desperate for. You got family coming into town soon. Give the mercy you're so desperate for. Give the grace that you cry out for. Forgive just as Jesus has forgiven you. When you do this in a church, you'll actually look down and realize, wait, I am the church I've always wanted to be a part of. Does that make sense? You'll be the person that others will hope and pray will be in the church that they're looking for. I need to say this. Timothy didn't hate Paul for what Paul did to him. Timothy still let Paul mentor him. Barnabas and John Mark, they didn't hate Paul either. They forgave him. John Mark was the guy who fed Paul when Paul was in prison in Rome. When he was in the Mamertine prison writing the book of Romans, John Mark was the guy who gave him food. When Barnabas and Peter made the horrible mistake of pushing Gentiles away from the faith, it was Paul who stepped in and brought reconciliation So the story of Paul and Barnabas splitting over John Mark isn't the end of the story. All of these brothers and sisters in the faith found a way to come back together again. And that is also the story of our church. Robert Frost has a poem called The Road Less Traveled. The last lines were up in my house as I grew up. I read them almost every day. It goes like this. Two roads diverged in a wood and I... I took the one less traveled by, and that has made all the difference. Listen, the, the journey of your healing and your, the journey of your growth and your purpose, it's going to take time, bit by bit, step by step, and you're going to make a lot of mistakes. You're going to head down paths that Jesus will warn you about and you're going to push, and sometimes Jesus will redirect you, and other times he will let you fall. You're going to hurt others. The road less traveled isn't the road where you don't make mistakes. The road less traveled, or as Jesus puts it, the narrow way or the kingdom way, is the road of repentance. It's you standing and fighting for a heart that listens to Jesus, that obeys, that repents and turns around, that when Jesus says to you, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, that you would be the man or the woman that would turn and say, Jesus, I'm here. Don't be afraid to come back. All the mercy and grace that you need is already here. Don't be ashamed of your foolishness. God is still using you right now. And Jesus is still making adjustments to your timeline so that his plans and purposes and will can be done in your life. I'll end with this. The miracle of salvation goes beyond anything we can imagine. Salvation isn't just that we get to go to heaven. Salvation is that Jesus brings heaven INTO THE MIDDLE OF OUR HELL, EVEN WHEN WE DON'T ASK FOR IT. JESUS IS JUST THAT GOOD. CAN WE PRAY? JESUS, YOU ARE SO GOOD. AS OUR USHERS COME FORWARD for AND OUR, our DEACONS COME FORWARD for, FOR COMMUNION THIS MORNING, WE KNOW THAT YOU, LORD JESUS, by your blood shed for us, by your body broken for us, that you, Lord Jesus, are the only one who can give us the grace and mercy that we need, who can restore us. And so, Jesus, right now we come back to you. God, I thank you for every single person who's here today, whether they're here from another church or not, You've called them to this place, and they are here, and I see them risking and making incredible friends and doing things that they've always wanted to do. So, Jesus, thank you for this church and how you've put it together. Lord, you never fail us. We love you. And all God's people said... Amen. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread and after breaking it, or gave thanks, and then he broke it and he said, This is my body broken for you. Eat this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, after supper, he lifted up this cup of wine. It's the third cup, the third promise in the Seder meal, which says that God, with a mighty outstretched hand, will redeem and deliver Israel from slavery. And Jesus says, this cup, this promise, is in my blood. With his mighty outstretched hands on the cross, Jesus has forgiven you and redeemed you and cleansed you from your slavery. So today, as you take communion, as you eat this bread and drink this cup, invite Jesus deeper in, that which needs to fall away and be rejected, let it go. Receive the hope and the truth of the gospel that you are more loved than you could ever dare to hope. Amen? Our ushers in the back. Don't say that you love me. Cause I don't know how to be yours You say that you want me Don't say that you want me Cause I don't know how to be yours I love this song Cause this is at the heart of the gospel, right? Like it can't be my faithfulness that knows how to be God's In fact, it's God's faithfulness that grabs a hold of me. Because whether we love God or hate God, He says, I'm not going anywhere. I'm holding on to you. Amen? This is the blood of Jesus poured out for you and I that we would be healed and made new, not when we deserved it, But when on the cross, in the middle of our foolishness, that's when Jesus died for us. The cross of Christ, the blood of Jesus, shed for the forgiveness of your sins. And now, now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance, that's his delight in you, and give you the peace and the joy that passes all understanding. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and all God's people said, I hope to see you with chili and pie at 530 tonight. God bless you guys. If you want prayer, come forward.
0: Pastor Andy Rock is the senior pastor of Coastal Community Church. It's located in Grover Beach, California, and serves communities across the Central Coast. Join us online each week on Sunday morning at 9 a.m. for our weekly live stream. We also have two in-person services at 9 a.m. and 1040 a.m. in our sanctuary. Coastal Community Church is located at 1830 Ferrell Road, Grover Beach, California. For more information, visit our website, www.mycoastal.org. Thanks for joining us, and I hope you have a great week.